0: Good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Eurofolk Radio Network. I'm your host, Sargent Jim Ram retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Thursday, July 8th, 2021, and we'll dispense with all the uh, medical stuff because we're going to be talking about the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and all that kind of stuff today. I will say be sure and check out the website, yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H. YourDIYHealth.com, and be sure and check out the sister site, YourDIYWealth.com. And uh, while you're on the Wealth site, make sure you check the uh, uh, Hyperfund tab. That is a program that is just absolutely phenomenal. It's going to make a lot of people very, very wealthy. It already has, and it will continue to do so for the unforeseeable future, as far as I know. Check it out if you have any questions about anything. Hit the contact me button, call and leave a message or send an email and we'll get back with you as quick as we can, usually within a few hours, and we'll do everything we can to get your questions answered and get you on the right track. Um, Keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Eurofolk Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in the show could, should be construed as an attempt to diagnose that, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> everything here is for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can do your own research and due diligence and make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. The number to call into the show is 614-426-8787. That's 614-426-8787. One last time. 614-426-8787. Or if you're on Skype, you can send a contact request to Sarge 45 ACP. That's S-A-R-G-E. The numbers is 45 and the letters ACP as in Paul. We'll do everything we can to, uh, or just me- I'm sorry, mention your listener and we'll get you approved. And then from that point on, you'll be able to call in via Skype in excellent audio quality. All righty. So as usual, we're going to try and get Mike Gaddy on the line here, and we're going to see where we end up from there. Oops! Hit the wrong one. <laughs> uh, let's try this again. Good heavens! Do 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 There we go. Good
1: afternoon, Jim.
0: Hey, Mike. Um, how's everything going?
1: Ah, uh, going as well as could be expected, and you, sir?
0: Ah, can't complain. Have you, by any chance, uh, chatted with Brad lately? Yes, yeah, I sent him a note to see and, if he could uh, join us, but I don't know whether he's available or not.
1: Well, Brad's hit one of those proverbial uh, uh, bad patches lately. Did he? Uh, for a tough patch. Uh, yeah, Brad, I have a feeling that might
2: be uh, the case. Great
1: guy. He has discovered, though, that. Uh, Like a lot of us, when we first begin to discover the truth, and (laughs) think everyone wants to hear it, I think poor Brad has found out most people would rather not hear the truth.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that is what most of us experience. And it covers virtually all the areas, too. Not just the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and that kind of thing, and government, but health, and you pretty much name it. Most people just... Are happy being in their little world of Never Never Land, <laughs> yeah, or
1: cognitive disconnect. If yep. You
2: ignorance say is bliss. That
1: uh, doesn't uh, fit with their uh, embraced paradigm. They uh, become upset, call you names, and move along.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I just say next, you
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, and uh, that was why I shared with him recently the. Uh, uh part of uh Albert J. Knox uh Isaiah and the remnant. Uh because Albert J. Knox wrote this in the twenties, I believe, nineteen twenties, and uh he pretty well nails the fact that uh, the masses are never ever going to listen. Oh, no. And that there is the remnant out there and we need to concentrate on the remnant and when you get rejected by the masses just move along.
0: Mhm. You know, I, I look at it from a biblical standpoint. You know, uh, wide is the path that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in there at. <laughs> Narrow is the way that leadeth to righteousness, and few there be that find it. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, if a herd is doing it, I want to do the opposite. Usually that's a pretty good uh, rule of thumb.
1: Absolutely. And, yep.
0: Well, so today, if I remember correctly, we are going to be asking and potentially answering the question, did the Constitution betray the principles of the Declaration of Independence? I think we all pretty much have a clue about that, but uh, let's go ahead and jump into that.
1: Well, it's pretty deep, Jim, and I believe <laughs> that right here, and I was so happy when you brought this up, because I believe right here, we begin to understand exactly where this whole thing kind of went wrong for us. Yeah. And we can go all the way back, of course, to the Declaration of Independence. And, of course, we get a uh, declaration which was written uh, by uh, Thomas Jefferson, Mm -hmm. and he was requested to write the Declaration by John Adams, and uh, he began, of course, uh, outlying it, and there's a couple of points I'd like to touch on there, and he began with the, the unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people don't know that one delegate uh, walked out uh, because uh, he didn't want to mess up the... Uh, mess up the uh, unanimous part, and he left without signing it and didn't want to sign it because he believed that we should reconcile with England. And uh, but so then we get to the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, and that begins when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them. Now that is very critical because nothing about the Constitution of the United States embraced the laws of nature and nature's God. Right. So there is the first departure, and that to me is, you know, because uh, we know that uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin, into the middle of June, when there was so much discord and so much argument going on, uh, Benjamin Franklin asked to, uh, of all people, asked that they begin each session with prayer like they did in the Continental Congress before. Uh-huh. And he got a second, but uh, there was no vote uh Alexander Hamilton protested uh, most vociferously and said that he didn't want to submit the powers of that to, to a, a foreign authority, and which is very telling in many ways. Uh-huh. And then, in uh, Franklin's own biography, biography, I'm sorry, he stated that probably there were probably no more than three or four people there who thought prayers necessary. Now, that, to me, is most telling, Jim, to these people who claim that the Constitution was uh, inspired by God. Right. Because if if three or four out of 55 people said only three or four thought prayers were necessary, well, I I can't see in any stretch of the imagination how someone could call that a
2: God-inspired document. document. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You got me? Yeah, we got you, Robert. Okay. Hey, Robert.
2: Morning. How are you?
1: Hey, good to see you, buddy. Uh, Good. So, uh, then he goes on and he says that uh, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. And then... Of course, the the line we've all heard, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Well, gosh, guys, Thomas Jefferson actually believed this. And yes, he owns slaves. And he actually believed that when he wrote it. But the part that we're not taught is the paragraph that Jefferson wrote into the Declaration of Independence, which was forced out. And voted out. And I'm going to read that paragraph for you because I think this is the key. We can trace the majority of the problems in this country back to this. I truly believe this. And here was the paragraph that uh, Jefferson was forced to remove. And that is, and I quote, he has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. This piratical warfare, the opprobrium of infidel powers, is the warfare of the Christian king of Great Britain. Determined to keep open a market where men should be bought and sold, he has prostituted his negative for suppressing every legislative attempt to prohibit or restrain this execrable commerce. And that this assemblage of horrors might want no fact of distinguished die. He is now exciting those very people to rise in arms among us and to purchase that liberty of which he has deprived them by murdering the people on whom he has obtruded them thus paying off former crimes committed against the liberties of one people with crimes which he urges them to commit against the lives of another. Now, he was forced to remove that. Yeah. Now, here I think is the key, gentlemen, is we look at two separate groups of people who wanted a new government. One of them wanted a government put in place to protect the liberty of the people and to meet the exigencies of government primarily, and we'll see that as we move on with the Declaration, primarily to promote the liberty of the people. Then there was another group of people that we learned to be called the Federalists who were there for one and one reason only, and that was commercial interest they cared not for liberty, that they proved that in the Constitutional Convention when they voted down the Bill of Rights unanimously. They were there to promote their own wealth and well-being. They were not there for liberty. Now, the same group of people at the convention where the Declaration of Independence was written, they, they also moved to get this paragraph removed. Now this paragraph is crucial because at this point in American history we could have taken the high road and put the blame for slavery exactly where it belonged on King George. Because no one in the colonies had asked for slaves. King George brought them. Well, King James started bringing them. But King George had brought them for decades and brought them here they are. They're here to be bought and sold. And he created the commercial interest. And Jefferson mentioned that. Jefferson wanted to do away with slavery at the Declaration of Independence. And yes, okay, we can nail him to the wall. He owns slaves. So did George Washington. So did the majority of people. Two of the richest people at that convention, one from South Carolina and one from Rhode Island, owned over a thousand slaves. That was the reason this was fought so hard to keep it in because it was a commercial interest. Americans have to understand that the Constitution was written in 1787 to protect the commercial interests of the wealthy and well born there was nothing about the Constitution put there to protect the people of Christ. That is a fallacy, was a fallacy from the beginning. Okay. And so, Thomas Jefferson proves it. This piratical warfare, the opprobrium of infidel powers, he nails it, and he places the blame exactly where it belongs on King George. America could have moved forward had they left this paragraph in, had they written the laws accordingly from that point. America could have moved forward, and I firmly believe that many of the problems we're facing today, especially racial discord, would not be here. I fully believe had this paragraph been left in there and appropriate legislation adopted, we would have never had the Civil War. We would have had no need for a civil rights movement. We would have had no need for the Dred Scott decision. We would have had no need for all of this. And it was destroyed in the beginning by commercial interests. People of liberty did not care. Thoughts, gentlemen? 100%. I
0: have to agree with you. Yeah, that's why I brought this up, obviously, since uh, this week is the week following our nation's birth, so to speak, and it's always bugged me that the uh, group of people that put together the Declaration of Independence were entirely different from the group that put together the Constitution, and I'm always hearing these God-inspired documents. I can see that for the Declaration of Independence, but not for the Constitution, And uh, I think the Constitution or the Declaration was written by statesmen. The Constitution was written by lawyers and businessmen for their own personal um, gain and benefit. Um, The rest of us be damned. And it's unfortunate. It really is. And it's amazing that even with that start, that this country is... Grown to be one of the greatest countries in the history of the world, uh, but it's definitely got its issues, and it started right there, like you said, with that paragraph that was forced out that Jefferson wanted to include, and it's a shame because you're right, uh, we could have um, really made a difference, and I think a lot of the problems we're experiencing now could have been prevented had that, you know, had Jefferson prevailed. Uh, but he was young and the rest of them were older and, you know, supposedly more wise and all powerful and everything. Um, you know, it's a shame, but the majority ruled and they ruled the wrong way. As we were talking earlier, wide is the path that leads to destruction. And, uh, it's a shame because we could have, like you said, we could have taken high ground and really got off on the right foot and no telling what would have happened with our history and the way things are right now with the critical race theory and all the other junk that's going on, um, we might have avoided a bunch of that. What do you think, Robert? I'm right there with you. They're two different documents. And if we're a Christian nation, why did the Constitution forbade uh, oaths of office or uh, oath, Religious uh, oaths to, to the belief in the Heavenly Father? There's no answer for that. Yeah.
1: Well, also, guys, one thing I read once in uh, the University of Virginia library. Now, we know that Thomas Jefferson founded the University of Virginia. Once when I was in Charlottesville, I think it was 1987, I found a document in the there that I read, and I have a copy of it, but I have never been able to uh, corroborate this anywhere. So, Generally, I don't mention it it in uh, passing because, again, there was no corroboration. I couldn't find it in letters or anything else. But I did find in their archives that at this time that it was being written in the Jefferson papers, it was stated that at the time they voted to remove the paragraph, Thomas Jefferson made the comment that, gentlemen, I will leave here Drive to uh, drive to uh, Monticello and free every slave I own on the spot, if you will allow me to. Con- if you will allow that paragraph to stay in the con- in the Declaration. Now again, and when I you can- just read, yes. Uh. Now again, I cannot. I can find no corroboration on that. I found it on one document, and usually the uh, usually the key is you have to corroborate it with at least two other sources, and I can't do that. But it was there, and it was in the uh, archives in Jefferson's papers. So, uh, you know, I I can't quote one way or the other uh, as to its authenticity, but um, uh, all of his actions in the House of Burgesses would prove that to be true because Jefferson brought it up many times as a member of the Virginia House of Burgesses He wanted to bring up a graduated emancipation on multiple occasions. That is documented. He wanted, at one time, he wanted to make sure that uh, once uh, slaves reached the age of uh, adulthood, 18 or 21, uh, he went both ways, that they should automatically be free. And uh, he thought that uh, from uh, the reason that he didn't want to free them at birth at the time, because he felt like that... Uh, freeing young people with no means of uh, caring for themselves or caring for others would be wrong and so he wanted it to be a graduated emancipation to give the young people, the young black, the young slaves the opportunity to educate themselves and then once they reach maturity uh, that they could become free. And he also pushed strong in the House of Burgesses and this the uh, people have criticized him for, but he pushed in the House of Burgesses in Virginia that no one could free a slave without taking it through the judicial system. Now, people give him a real hard time over that, but if you really do the research, you'll find out it was valid because the thing that was upsetting Jefferson, and it's in his notes, the thing that he was being upset about was that they were freeing slaves because they could no longer work. If one became injured or ill or something... The guy would just say, okay, you're free. Get out of here. And they weren't being taken care of, which Jefferson felt they deserved. So he wanted for a person to be declared free, he wanted the person who was freeing them to prove in a court of law that that person was capable of taking care of themselves. Hmm. Now, of course, we can look at that in many different ways, but uh, uh, at least... uh, if you research the uh, uh, House of Burgesses' rulings and their House of Burgesses' propositions, and Jefferson even helped one man who wanted to free his slaves in Virginia, but the law would not allow it in Virginia. He helped him find a place in a northern state that would allow them to be free and a family that would take them initially. So there's there's a lot of stuff there that we're never taught about when we're... It's certainly not taught to us in school. But Robert uh, and, and Jim, the talk about the, the Constitution then being drawn up just, you know, what, nine years later? Uh, or 11 years later, I'm sorry. And I think about one of the people at the Constitutional Convention fought against slavery too. Some of them. Not all of them. They wanted to include it many of the commercial interests. Mm -hmm. And the Constitution was called for commercial interests, not to protect the rights of the people. But uh, anyway, uh, jumping back to the Declaration for a minute, and then I want to get back to the Constitution. But it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, guys, back in, uh, I guess it was 2017, and maybe it was 2018, I'm not sure, in Sheridan, Arkansas, I made a presentation to a group of lawyers and judges where I used that sentence or that part of a sentence in my entire presentation. And that was that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was the phrase I used. And I wanted each each one to define. I asked people there, being in the legal profession, to define those phrases. And I said, okay, please define words. I'm sorry. Please define what endowed means. And so they did. They, and it says, okay, it's given. It's a lifetime present when you endow someone with something. And then I asked them to define unalienable or inalienable rights. Either way, they wanted to pronounce it. And so they did. And I said, that's rights that cannot be taken away. And they said, yes, that's exactly it. Inalienable rights or unalienable rights are those which are yours forever. They cannot be taken away. They cannot be taken away, but you can give them away. So that is, and then I said, well, you gentlemen are in the legal profession how can you sit as judges or lawyers and defend the laws which just totally break that clause and that promise to the American people? Of course again, as I repeat uh on several occasions I wasn't invited back here. But anyway <laughs> You do that a lot, don't you? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> You know me too well,
0: Robert. One visit oh, that to, wonder.
1: That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Guys, that's critical. Mm-hmm. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. It doesn't say anything about protecting your commercial interest.
2: Right.
1: It's real simple. And then it says deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed the constitution destroyed consent of the governed and changed it from consent of the governed to consent of the majority Yep, so if 51% of the people decide they want something and 49% say they don't want it the 49% get it anyway and they certainly did not give their consent so consent of the governed was destroyed with the constitution and we again because they could not get the commercial bills through all 13 states that was required by article 13 of the article of the confederation because they could not get unanimous approval for what they wanted to do they had to have a new constitution that would let them do otherwise that would lower the bar and take away the consent of the minority. And then it says that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, what ends? A government of the, a government to protect your rights and a government of consent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Those are the only two things that are mentioned. It's so hard to get people to understand this, guys, because we have been taught for so long that uh, we live in a democracy so the majority gets to decide for everybody. Mm -hmm. That is the total departure from the Declaration of Independence. No one should be forced to live under laws they do not agree with. No one should should have their money taken to be spent on things they do not agree with, some of the things which they consider immoral. And that, to me, is one of the greatest injustices we face, is the fact that we could be forced through taxation to provide money for acts which are totally immoral.
2: Many of we are.
1: But I did want to jump back for just a second to be part of uh, about what occurred at the Constitutional Convention about slavery. Now this guy, the Attorney General from uh, Maryland, Luther Martin, here is what he said. He said, the revolution was grounded in defense of the natural God-given rights possessed by all mankind. But this Constitution is an insult to that God who views with equal eye the poor African slave and his American slave master. Luther Martin just repeated what Thomas Jefferson said. That we're all equal. Okay. uh, Now, I remember a historian by the name of Sheldon Richman. I think he's still alive. And I remember a quote From him, and he said that the Constitutional Convention of 1787 was a revolution in favor of government. And I think that's totally accurate. It was not a revolution in favor of the people, it was a counter-revolution to liberty. Mm -hmm. And Samuel Bryan, who wrote as Sentinel, said that the people who participated in the Constitutional Convention were participants in a criminal conspiracy against the principles of the standing Constitution of the day, which was the Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union. Now, I don't know if you gentlemen saw it, but did you see that announcement about the meeting recently in Idaho that they said was almost like a Bilderberger-type uh, convention?
2: No. Mm-hmm. Didn't hear that. No.
1: no. Well, let me see if I can locate uh, the particulars of that one because I think it was quite relative to the point. Uh, but there was a uh, a convention there and of course, you know, we had the wonderful attendees like uh, uh you know, what's his name from Facebook? Uh, and, uh, Bilderberg. Yeah, and some of the others that were there. And let me see. A gentleman it's going to take me just a second to find it. Okay, yes. a secretive Bilderberger-style meeting for media and tech giants took place in Idaho. Hmm. Now, here I want you to stop and think about something. Let's look at some words here. Secretive. The Bilderberger-style meeting for government insiders and media giants takes place in Idaho. residents of Idaho who were wondering why Zuckerberg chose their town to celebrate Independence Day may now have a bit more information as to why Zuckerberg chose their home for his getaway. A secretive Bilderberger-style meeting is taking place this week near Boise, Idaho, and many tech giants, media moguls, and government officials are on the guest list. Top executives at the biggest and most influential companies in tech and media, including Apple's Tim Cook, and Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, will get together at the Sun Valley Resort, a meeting that dates back to 1930 a meeting place that dates back to 1936. The attendees include many Silicon Valley CEOs as well as executives from national mainstream media outlets, media moguls, tech titans, investors, politicians, and intelligence agency insiders all gather in the small town of Sun Valley, Idaho, for a week of meetings of big deals and to develop a consensus for media, social media, and emerging communications technology. Okay, guys, let me tell you, and my friend Cal Robbins brought this up yesterday in a discussion. And he said, was not the Constitutional Convention in May of 1787 a similar event?
0: It's pretty damn secretive,
2: no doubt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And was it not a meeting of government insiders Mm -hmm. and secret the commercial interest of the country? Yep. Well,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. the majority of those who conspired in secret in Philadelphia during the summer of 1787 did so in an effort to secure financial rewards for those who they themselves referred to as the wealthy and the well-born. They cared nothing of embracing physical slavery in pursuit of those goals, but also sought to create economic slaves of the people who would be forced to support their agendas with unlimited taxation powers and provisions listed in the very first power granted to Congress, Article I, Section 8, Clause 1. This was a group of people just like they just got together in Idaho and I heard that Bill Gates is there as well but these people all got together in Idaho for this meeting and do you think that there are politicians and other people there do you think that we won't see the results of this meeting in legislation in the future
0: i would say there's a chance Does that happens yes,
1: or just simply uh let's say uh you know, I heard someone the other day just absolutely turned my stomach, a guy on the radio. I was uh, heading up to the grocery store and just turned on the radio uh, for music mostly. But the guy, one of the advertisements, one of the people is, is bragging, come to my business because you can be fully assured in coming to my business that all government guidelines are observed at my business
0: meaning everybody's vaccinated.
1: Yeah, he was so proud of this, he's putting it in an ad that that's the reason people should come do business with him is because he firmly adheres to government guidelines. They kept using the word guideline in the ad. Mm -hmm. He didn't say anything about law. Guidelines.
0: I think I was behind that guy in traffic yesterday
1: got to jump in
0: here real quick. There's this guy in front of me. I was driving to a restaurant for a meeting. Little uh, uh, Toyota license plate. The guy spent money for a vanity plate. Get a vax. And he's got a happy face with sunglasses on on the left side of the trunk deck that says underneath it, vax, safe. And on the other side of the trunk deck is a frowny face, no vax, at risk. And then right in the middle, it says, we can hashtag conquer COVID and get hashtag back to normal. I couldn't believe I had to take a picture of it. I've, I've been posting on my Facebook page, and I put it on my uh, Telegram page. <laughs> this is the same thing. I mean, this dude was malignant, dumb, and damn proud of it.
1: Uh,
0: it's just unbelievable. But, yeah, I think if nothing else, these guys are probably related.
1: at least they're on the same mental train to hell
0: exactly (laughs) exactly
1: Uh, one of the things that I and I've read this before Jim I'm not sure I've read it on this program but no one better than Luther Martin and I, I can't find out any connection anywhere in letters or anything else where Luther Martin and Patrick Henry ever communicated Maybe they did if someone can find that, I certainly would appreciate it. Maybe they did, but I have no recollection of that or anything that I can remember. But these two guys were the two bastions that just absolutely stood up and said, "Not no, but hell no,
0: yeah,
1: and they were you know uh. Luther Martin did it in the written word more than the spoken word and Patrick Henry did just the opposite more in the spoken word than the written word. But here is what Luther Martin said about Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1 of the Constitution. And I'm going to read it fairly slow because I really want this to sink in for the listeners, guys. And here it is. Quote, by the power to lay and collect imposts they may impose duties on any or every article of commerce imported into these states to what amount they please. by the power to lay excises, a power very odious in its nature, since it authorized officers to go into your homes, your kitchens, your cellars, and to examine into your private concerns the Congress may impose duties on every article of use or consumption, on the food that we eat, on the liquors that we drink, on the clothes that we wear, the glass which enlightens our houses, or the hearth necessary for our warmth and comfort. By the power to lay and collect taxes, they may proceed to direct taxation on every individual, either by a capitation tax on their heads or an assessment on their property. By this part of the section, therefore, the government has a power to lay what duties they please on goods imported, to lay what duties they please afterwards on whatever we use or consume, to impose stamp duties to what amount they please and in whatever case they please, afterwards to impose on the people direct taxes by capitation tax or by assessment to whatever amount they choose, and Mm -hmm. thus to sluice them At every vein, as long as they have a drop of blood, without any control, limitation, or restraint, all the officers for collecting these taxes, stamp duties, imposts, and excises are to be appointed by the general government, under its directions, not accountable to the states, nor is there even a security that they will be citizens of the respective states in which they are to exercise their offices. At the same time the construction of every law imposing any and all of these taxes and duties and directing the collection of them and every question arising thereon and on the conduct of the officers appointed to execute these laws and to collect these taxes and duties, so various in their kinds, are taken away from the courts <coughs> pardon, me. <coughs> pardon me, are taken away from the courts of justice of the states and confined to the courts of the central government. There is to be heard and determined by judges holding their offices under the appointment, not of the individual states, but of the general government." Unquote. Did Luther Martin nail it? Did he not just absolutely describe 230-some years ago exactly exactly what we're looking at today?
0: Yeah, uh-huh. and we're lucky we're not being charged 88% for federal income tax.
1: Well, they can charge whatever they want, Robert.
0: Sure they can. Sure they can. And just so,
1: Here's Here's the question that I've asked on many occasions, and people get to kind of perturbed about this. But because of this one article, and there's many others, but because of this one article, well, actually, it's clause. Because of this one clause, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. Because of this, they created a purely socialist government.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That is the very backbone of socialism, unlimited taxation yep. so, how can anyone say that this is not a socialist government and never has been
2: has
0: been there from the start, Mm-mm-mm-mm. yeah, right there. Article one section eight, clause one.
2: No, Joe.
1: And it was uh I do not think it was an accident that it happened to be the very first power given to Congress,
0: Imagine that. The power to tax and the power to destroy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, so said so said John Marshall in McCulloch V, Maryland, but uh
0: And he I, should know.
1: And he said no, exactly, but what he was saying was you can't tax the government because that's the power to destroy the government. Right, right.
0: <laughs> and there's your context.
1: But that uh, that gate obviously swings both ways because we're looking right now at a destroyed economy in this country.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big news of coming attractions. Yeah. It's just, just a matter of time.
1: Well, did that not... Would I be wrong? Can you guys offer a uh, a good argument to really knock me out of the water here? Is there any way that we can say that because of Article One, Section 8, Clause 1, that all of the people of these United States are not economic slaves to the government?
0: No, we pretty much are. Mm-hmm. Can't argue that.
1: So yeah. if I... If I can take anything that you own, any part of what you have, anything through taxation, and sluice you, as uh, Luther Martin said, if I can sluice you at every vein, what is the difference between that and me having a plantation that I have you to work on? I'm not
0: sure there is one. It's just perceptions. On a plantation, you know you're a slave. In this condition, you are led to believe that you're free when you really are a slave.
1: Well, does uh, does the size of your pasture constitute whether you are uh, in captivity or not?
0: Nope. No. It's whether you no. can leave or not. If <laughs> so you can climb through the fence and go somewhere else, you're free. But uh, mm-hmm. otherwise, not so much.
1: No. Uh, Well, you know, and this again, to get back to the point, gentlemen, about the slavery issue, and I felt like that's where we morally, and it began with the Declaration, where we morally went astray in this country with that. But uh, on the 21st of August in 1787, during the oppressive heat of summer, the issue of slavery burst into full bloom at the... Philadelphia Convention. Again, Luther Martin led off with his opposition to the slave trade by stating he was as interested in individual liberty for all the same as he was for state rights. Martin proposed an economically prohibited tax on the importation of slaves. Have you ever wanted Ooh. to work for less? Sorry We've all that. been there. That's this why there?
0: he... Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> no, I don't want to work for less.
0: No. no. <laughs> I was trying to bring up I well, hear Harriet Tubman saying
1: tax on the importation of slaves. He was trying everything he could to stop slavery and he figured if he taxed it so high that no one could profit from it, that they might at least that he might accomplish it that way. Of course he was voted down there as well. Of course. And then he became upset when they passed the three fifths clause. And he said that he claimed that such a cause was, and I quote, inconsistent with the principles of the revolution and dishonorable to the American character, unquote. Now, why is this man buried in an unmarked grave and and been paved over for a parking lot?
0: Great question.
1: John Rutledge of South Carolina, who would be named to the Supreme Court by George Washington and would later become the second chief justice after John Jay, responded in the true vernacular of the federalist or the wealthy and the well-born by saying that, quote, religion and humanity have nothing to do with this question. Talking about the Constitution,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he said, "Personal interest alone is the governing principle with nations." Mm-hmm. There Unquote. you go. Again, the Federalists indicated it was all about commerce and money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Religion, morality, and humanity were absolutely irrelevant to their pursuits. Mm-hmm. Charles Pinckney, also from South Carolina, and who would become a U.S. senator in this brand-new government under the Constitution he himself was promoting, said, if slavery be wrong, it is justified by the example of all the world. In all ages, one-half of mankind have been slaves. Well, you know, I, it's probably a good thing I wasn't there because I would have said, well, okay, if half of the people in here commit robbery, does that make it legal?
0: Good comeback.
1: Fairly easy to say for a man who was in the half that owned slaves rather than being the half who were slaves. Uh, yeah, yeah. His cousin, Charles Coatsworth Painting, also of South Carolina, would add to this discussion. And he said, South Carolina and Georgia cannot do without slaves. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Paintney then got right to the heart of the matter with the following statement. Now listen to this, guys. The more slaves, the more produce to employ the carrying trade or the shipping trade. The more consumption also, and the more of this, the more revenue for our treasury. Tell me again, it wasn't about money. Again, an overt willingness of the Federalists to sacrifice morality on the altar of economic gain. It was at this point in the discussions that George Mason of Virginia, who would refuse to sign the final edition of the Constitution, stating he would rather cut off his right hand, gave a speech in which he denounced not only the slave trade, but slavery itself, pointing out the immorality, tyranny, and sins of slavery. And yes, people, George Mason owned slaves. Mm. But, he said, and I quote, Slavery discourages arts and manufactures. They produce the most pernicious effect on manners. Every master of slaves is a petty tyrant. They bring the judgment of heaven on a country. Providence punishes national sins with national calamities, unquote. You think we might be living through those national calamities now, guys?
2: I think we might. Yep
1: you think the country might have uh, suffered through national calamities during the so-called Civil War? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but the Civil War was not about slavery. It was about money. But, as we can see here, at the very beginning, they intertwined the two. Slavery and money. Now... Such views by George Mason were not inconsistent, and they weren't particular just to that point at the Constitution, convention. He had said 20 years prior to this, in the 1760s, about slavery, and this is what George Mason said, that slow poison is daily contaminating the minds and morals of our people. Every gentleman here is born a petty tyrant. Practiced in arts of despotism and cruelty, we become callous to the dictates of humanity and all of the inner feelings of the soul. Taught to regard a part of our own species in the most abject and contemptible degree below us, we lose that idea of the dignity of man which the hand of nature has been implanted in us for great and useful purposes. But Mason was quickly assailed for his position by Federalist Charles Cotesworth Pinckney and Oliver Ellsworth of Connecticut. Ellsworth would contend that Mason wished to abolish the importation of slaves because in Virginia, slaves were reproducing much faster than in the Deep South. Ellsworth's remark was, and I quote, if it, meaning slavery, was to be considered in a moral light, we ought to go farther and free those already in the country. I agree. As slaves also multiply so fast in Virginia and Maryland that it is cheaper to raise than import them, whilst in the sickly rice swamps deeper in the deeper South, foreign supplies of slaves are necessary. If we go no further than is urged, we shall be unjust towards South Carolina and Georgia. Hey guys, were not we ever thought about these discussions during the Constitutional Convention?
0: doesn't fit the
2: narrative. <laughs> oh,
1: man. Roger Sherman, also of Connecticut, stated his belief that the states would eventually abolish slavery by degree and would further opine that the issue of slavery should never obstruct the business of forming a new constitution. But it's about morality, guys. Mm-hmm. It's about money.
2: Yep.
1: Now, John Dickinson, the principal author of the Articles of the Confederation and Perpetual Union, attacked the institution of slavery and the transportation and trade of slaves, saying it was in, slavery was inadmissible on every principle of honor, morality, and safety. Yeah. So, but two days later. After these discussions, we talked about the committee brought forth, among other things, a proposal by Charles Cosworth Paintney to extend and keep inviolate the slave trade from 1800 to 1808, providing both slave traders and slave owners with a 20-year window of grace. James Madison would object to this provision, but he was voted down seven to four, with New Jersey, Delaware, Virginia, and Pennsylvania voting against.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Noticeable in this vote was the fact that Maryland and all of the shipping-oriented states of New England voted to extend the slave trade. Also imposed with this measure was a duty placing a $10 per each tax on each imported slave, this measure passing with the identical 7-4 vote. Again, a Federalist, Nathaniel Gorham of Massachusetts, spoke in plain terms the motive for the Federalist-dominated states of New England as referenced their profits to be obtained from the slave trade when he stated, if this government is to be so fettered as to be unable to relieve or enrich the eastern states, what motive can they have to join in? It's about money, not about freedom. Uh-huh. So so uh-huh. this newly minted constitution, when ratified, would heavily benefit the shipbuilders and the owners who ship slaves and the southern plantation owners who bought them at the expense of all consumers in the ratifying states. In fact, the delegates to the convention made such arrangements and accommodations for shipping and the slave trade, but refused unanimously a motion to add a bill of rights. This alone should provide all evidence needed to determine the ulterior motives of those men who conspired to propose this new form of government. If that is not sufficient, why did the authors of this Constitution, which embraced the immoral slave trade, work so diligently to keep from using the word slave or slavery in the written document? Why did they insist on the use of other persons, such persons, or persons held to service? A government based on such deceptions would later happily embrace the terms Patriot Act and Affordable Health Care Act in various and sundry immoral warps. Yeah. Man. Mm. Mm. So, thoughts, gentlemen?
0: You've been bamboozled. Yeah.
1: Good
0: now, did you say Madison was
1: against
0: extending the slave trade during or was he in favor of He was against it. Okay. He voted against it. Yes, he did. That's
1: interesting. He voted against the motion.
0: So I guess it's good and bad and everybody, huh?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, we have to remember that uh, uh, good old, uh, our good buddy uh, uh, Madison in 1792, after the government had been in place about three years, began Mm -hmm. to see the tide turning. Mm -hmm. He began to see the corruption of the Federalists, those of whom he had helped come to power. He began Mm -hmm. to see that. And then somehow he decided, well, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to switch teams.
2: Mm.
1: I'm going to go over here with my good friend Thomas Jefferson, and we are going to do something different. You guys should have just gotten the article that I wrote, which I just read from. Yeah, okay. So then a leopard can change his thoughts. But not to forget, there's a reason I called James Madison the, Clinton, the Bill Clinton of the founding era. Why is
0: that?
1: Because after he was president, he switched teams again.
0: <laughs> I wasn't sure where he wanted to be.
1: <laughs> and so the guy uh-huh. who the guy who got upset because Alexander Hamilton wanted a, uh, a U.S. bank in 1792 as president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was like uh, 20, uh, I mean, 1812 or somewhere, 1814, somewhere in there. When he was president, he endorsed the bank. Mm. Mm. Power corrupts. Absolute, Absolute power, power corrupts, corrupts. absolutely.
0: absolutely. No doubt. Yeah, don't we see that every day? We can question? on Sunday.
1: But if we look hmm. at the history of uh, Hitler, the history of Madison. He was a diminutive little character, about five 5'6". He had a real squeaky voice. <laughs> and uh, that's well documented. And so when he proposed the Virginia Plan, he knew at the Constitutional Convention that if he stood up and read it, the Virginia Plan, in the first couple of days, that because of his size and because of his effeminate voice, as it was called, by aaron Burr of of many other people, because of his effeminate voice, he thought it wouldn't work, so he got Edmund Randolph to read it. Edmund Randolph was six foot four had a big baritone voice, so the deception of Madison all the way through you know, and his switching sides, you know when he went back to Virginia to run for Congress after Patrick Henry had kept him from being becoming a senator with the new government. When he went back to Virginia to run against uh, James Monroe for the uh, congressional seat, he traveled all over the uh, area promising the people in that district, in that congressional district, a Bill of Rights. That was the central theme of his campaign. Elect James Madison, you'll get a Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. Now, here was the same guy who had opposed the Bill of Rights at the Constitutional Convention. Or was it a bill of goods? Well, I I prefer that last one, and I'm still working on my book, guys, A Bill of, Con- of rights and A Bill of Goods. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Can't wait to So, Jim,
1: done. you're scaring me. You're getting too quiet, my friend.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long day already. I don't know. It's, it's just, you uh, know. Yeah. When I brought this topic up, I figured it would be a good one. And, man, I'll yeah, tell you yeah. what, i have failed to uh, uh, hit a home run again. There's just tons of information there that we've never heard before. And uh, it all basically goes to uh, support my thought in the first place that there's a world of difference between the uh, Declaration and the Constitution as well as those who drafted either of them. You know, one was for the good of the people, one was for the good of the rich people. (laughs) I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah.
1: Well, when we look at the Articles of Confederation, guys, it was about, it was almost a partnership. And I know this uh, probably, uh, it was almost a partnership between the people who wanted... Liberty, and the people who were trying to protect commercial interests. It was uh, that Articles of Confederation didn't go totally, in, in, especially didn't go totally the way that the Anti-Federalists would like to have had it, to where the, uh, uh, you know, the Sons of Liberty and, uh, and Patrick Henry and the others, it did not go directly to where they wanted it. It still has some leanings towards commerce protecting commerce, and in some instances, you know, you do have to have some protection for your commerce in a government, Yeah. you know, in your central government. So you can see where that the Articles of Confederation was something of a compromise. But the problem was is that consent of the governed just kept kicking the Federalist right square in the ass. Because they kept trying to get these tax things passed. They kept trying to get all of these things passed one way or the other. They kept working, working, working towards that. And it was always one or two states that would say, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't going for that. (laughs) So there was always at least one or two states that would go, "Ah, we see what you're up to here. Nope, nope, we're not going to do that. And yeah. one one time with one of their tax schemes, the uh, Federalists had even got together and sent some teams, a team of men to Rhode Island because Rhode Island was holding out. So they sent a team of people to Rhode Island probably to either intimidate or to buy off enough votes to get the proposition that they wanted. But while those men were on the way from Philadelphia to Rhode Island to coerce the people into voting the way they wanted to, uh, Virginia backed out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they were stuck. Mm -hmm. And so that 13th article requiring every state agree... Guys, I've had people... And let's discuss that because I think it would be a great point of discussion. I brought this up one time in a uh, program I gave in... Fayetteville, Arkansas. I could look right out the window of the restaurant where we were and see the University of Arkansas baseball field. And... Suey. Yeah, Suey Pig. So uh, here was the... uh, There was a guy there who was a retired DEA agent. And he said... He stood up and he said, well, I just absolutely do not agree with that part of the Article of Confederation. He said, hell, if you did that, if it required all of the states to go along with stuff, hell, the government would never get anything done.
2: Amen. And
1: I said, yay!
0: (laughs) Like gridlock.
1: (laughs) How can that be bad?
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Because... You can't have consent of the governed if someone doesn't agree with it.
2: hmm
0: That's what consent means.
1: So, I mean, uh, guys, the three of us might sit down and might have a discussion somehow. We might talk about, uh, you know, uh, hey, we uh, let's let's take a trip. Let's all go to uh, uh, California. And one guy would say, uh, No, I don't want to go there. I want to go to New Mexico. Well, do we have the right to force the guy who doesn't want to go to go to California anyway?
2: We do not. Nope.
1: Do we have the right to take his money to finance our trip? Nope.
2: Uh-uh. uh-uh.
1: That's exactly what we did when we created this government under this Constitution. Yeah.
2: We're going to uh-huh.
1: force
0: it upon the people.
1: Yeah. Yep. If you don't like it, tough. Yeah, what, you don't want to go to war with Syria? Uh, Too bad. Here, we're going to war with Syria whether you like it or not, and Mm -hmm. we're going to use your money to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. You're paying for it.
1: Or, or let's look at the moral issue. Okay, yes, the U.S. government is going to pay for military personnel to have sex change operations. Yeah, and uh, regardless of your morality, regardless of your Christian beliefs, you're going to pay for it anyway.
0: I don't think so.
1: Hey, guys, if we're paying for it, if we are paying for something, even if it's forced or coerced from us, if we're paying something that we know is morally incorrect, are we free from sin with that?
2: No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to pay for that, too.
1: Well, I, may, I made that point uh, in another uh, article, one that I read on July the 4th, and that's a program that I did on July the 4th. Uh, when, uh, that, uh, when that when uh, that drone operator pulled that trigger and that uh, missile went from that drone and took out that wedding party in Yemen,
2: mm-hmm.
1: are we responsible for that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm Yeah. Yeah.
1: When we had a bomber bomb the hospital in Afghanistan and killed thirty doctors, are we responsible for that?
0: Yes, yep.
1: When the federal government sent people door to door in New Orleans to seize people's firearms, are we responsible for that,
0: even the wealthy parts, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Why is it so hard for people to accept that film, or is it? Yeah, am I just uh, am I just off my rocker here?
2: You've got ostrich no. syndrome.
1: Or both.
0: Okay. Burying their head in the sand. If they didn't see it, it didn't happen. Yeah. Well. They're about to see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, when the uh, when the agents come door to door to stick oh, a needle oh. in your arm, are we responsible for that?
1: <laughs> oh, I was going right there. You, you, you sneaked <laughs> in and got me there. <sighs> you
0: know, even a blind hog can rust her up by right an acorn once in a while.
2: Once in a while.
0: Saw that one coming. Yeah, and... Some people have been forced vaccinated now. Some of them were maybe uh, had mental issues and were somewhat uh, deficient, so they probably didn't know any better. But it has happened on a low
1: scale, though. Oh, yeah. Jim, have have you seen uh, where Biden is pushing uh, for acceptance of the vaccine so he can force everyone in the military to take it?
0: Mm-hmm. I covered that on my morning show today, and they're looking at September 1st or thereabouts. To have full approval from the FDA, and the military is already drafting orders to um, make it mandatory for all all troops. And there are Ooh. people that are pushing back saying they'll quit. <laughs> I said, good luck with that. You sign an enlistment contract. They've got your body. You know, a, an officer can resign their commission, provided the government's willing to accept it. if they say it goes to mission readiness, they can turn you down and you're still stuck. Um, So, but there are people that are saying that, you know, they'll try and quit the military if that, you know, if it becomes mandatory. So at least there's pushback. Mm -hmm. But whether they'll be successful with it is another story. Yeah.
1: It's getting crazy. Here's the point. If uh, I tell you that you have no choice, that you have to take this uh, vaccine, uh, are you ready to sing the Star Spangled Banana?
0: (laughs) You <laughs> always have a choice. They may not like mm-hmm. what you choose, and you may not want to have to make it, but you always have a choice. Yeah. I'd rather die high on high my high feet high than high live road. on my knees. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Something like that. Land of yeah. the free.
1: Mm-hmm. Land
0: of the fee. Land of the fee and home of the slave. <laughs> Something like that.
1: Well, here's the thing I can't figure out, guys. Uh, how, how did we figure this out and 330 million other of our fellow Americans can't seem to grasp it? Well, just
0: a lot of them just refuse. Uh, start with the public fuel system. Fluoride. Cool. Got gotcha. two. Those two things. A big part of uh, our problem. Contrails
1: are in there too, Jim. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. trails, actually. Yeah. Nothing wrong. Trail contrails
1: there. and uh, you know, <laughs> food additives. Yep. Yeah, Junk in the food. food
0: crap in the food. Crap in the water. Crap in the air. Covers it all. Oh crap! And crap in people's minds. Mm-hmm. It's just crap.
1: Well, how did we get a filter? <laughs>
0: You know, God has issued blessings and, you know, he works in strange and mysterious ways. He does. He does. And she never cease to be amazed and questioning at the same time. <laughs> but who knows? Wow. There's a remnant.
1: To... Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry.
0: I was going to say there's a remnant, you yeah. know. And again, it goes right back to what I said at the beginning of the show. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, and narrow is the path that leads to righteousness. And you can apply that to virtually anything in life. You can. not If the herd is doing it, I ain't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, gentlemen, if it's okay, I uh, would like to read uh, from that uh, uh, Albert J. Knox. Um, it's not that long but I would like your comments on this go for it, Okay. in the year of Uzziah's death the Lord commissioned the prophet to go out and warn the people of the wrath to come tell them what a worthless lot they are he said tell them what is wrong and why and what is going to happen unless they have a change of heart and straighten up don't miss matters make it clear that they are positively down to their last chance. Give it to them good and strong and keep on giving it to them. I suppose perhaps I ought to tell you, he added, that it won't do any good. The official class and their intelligentsia will turn up their noses at you and the masses will not even listen.
2: Mm -hmm. They will
1: all keep on in their own ways until they carry everything down to destruction. And you will probably be lucky if you get out with your life.
0: Yeah.
1: I- Isaiah had been very willing to take on the job. In fact, he had asked for it. with the prospect of a new face on the situation. It raised the obvious question. Why, if all that were so, if the enterprise were to be a failure from the start, was there any sense in starting it? Ah, the Lord said, you do not get the point. There is a remnant there that you know nothing about. They are obscure, unorganized, inarticulate. each one rubbing along as best he can.
2: Mm-hmm. They need
1: to be encouraged and braced up because when everything else has gone completely to the dogs, they are the ones who will come back and build up a new society. And meanwhile, your preaching will reassure them and keep them hanging on. Your job is to take care of the remnant. So be off now and set about it. Unquote.
2: There
0: you have it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. The remnant.
1: Yeah. Uh, every time I get discouraged, guys, I have to reread that.
0: <laughs> Probably read that a lot, don't you?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost a daily read. Sometimes an hour. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what, in this day I can see that. Uh, just still, got to keep
1: doing it. But it's reinvigorating. It's reinvigorating, mm-hmm. Robert. I'm, I mean, I, you know, I can be just down and you know deal with the, someone who tells me that because I want to stand for what's right and I want to stand on uh, the actual truth. And some of these wonderful conservative Republicans tell me that ah, you must be a liberal. <laughs>
2: From it.
1: <laughs> sometimes I tell you, just reading that, what I just read, sometimes that kind of takes the steam out of that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh,
0: the old thing that those of us who know everything are very annoyed by those of you who think you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it, what, what's that quote, guys? It ain't what you know that will hurt you. It's what you what think you know. you know that just ain't, ain't right. That. Yeah, and
0: just ain't so. Mark Twain. Mark Twain.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 It's
1: what you think you know that just ain't so.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh,
1: Robert, what's going on in Nevada, my friend?
0: Uh good weather, uh sunshine, ninety degrees, maybe a hundred. Hmm. And uh other than that, work, work, work.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so
1: glad you were able to join us today. I'm glad yeah. you were able to join me Sunday for my fourth presentation. Jim, you had a chance to listen to that yet?
0: No, I have not. I have been running like a head with my chicken cut off, and I haven't had a chance to cut my grass. That's when I usually get a chance to listen to the shows because it takes me about the same amount of time to cut the grass as it does to listen to a two-hour show. And uh, I cut it uh, on Saturday, I think it was. <laughs> And then it's been raining ever since. And uh, I don't know when it's going to be dry enough to do it again. But I've got shows backed up. I've got it on my phone stored and ready to go. But um, who uh, knows.
1: If you find anything in there that irritates you, Robert made me do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure. Pass <laughs> the book. That's
1: Robert the book. made me do it. Yeah. Hey,
0: whatever, you know. the devil? Yeah, any excuse okay. will do, right? Okay. The yeah.
1: devil's not named Robert.
0: Let us hope not.
1: Okay, all right. <laughs> Just check it. Let's check
0: it. I know God's name is Andy, but I don't know devil's name. I think it's Lucy. For short for Lucifer.
1: What was that guy who said that the uh, national anthem was a uh, Hispanic document?
0: <laughs> Jose, can you see?
1: Yeah, Jose can you see. Oh, we are
0: really digressing.
1: <laughs> We're getting out there, aren't we?
0: I'm telling you what, well, it's about time for DW to call in and straighten us out.
1: Yeah, um, probably so. Uh, <laughs> did you, uh, you guys know that God was a baseball fan?
0: Yeah, in the beginning.
1: In the big inning. In the yes, beginning. Exactly.
0: Yep. Did you know God's name was Andy?
1: You didn't know that, Robert?
0: I did not. Oh my goodness.
1: Consider yourself, Andrew McCain.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do now. Did you know God's name was Andy? Didn't know that
2: either.
0: Andy walks with me, and he talks with me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Oh. Yeah, we're we kind of slipping down. Yeah, the we're
0: we're really right. sliding oh, off. The <laughs> Our cheese is sliding off the cracker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh man!
0: Of course, you know why we're all here, don't you? Because we ain't all there. <laughs> That'll be one reason why. I'll tell you what. But, um, Mike, what do you think about mandatory in- inoculations?
1: Well, I think it's coming. I uh, I believe they're going to do. Uh, didn't Biden already come up with something about a door-to-door program?
0: Yeah, and that's uh, the funny thing. All along he, he said he'll never, he won't never, he will make advise it mandatory.
1: People to advise people.
0: Yeah. He claims he won't make it mandatory, but that's coming. You just wait. Once, once the uh, FDA puts their stamp on this toxic crap, And that's what gets me. In the last six months, these things have killed more people than all the other vaccines combined in the last 20 years. It's unbelievable. And that's just on the reporting yeah. numbers.
1: I'm sorry,
0: Jim. Go ahead. I think our I think the numbers are much higher, you know, because the VAR system is now saying seven thousand dead, and they admit, you know, that it's always been the case that on with the VAR system only about one percent of actual cases are ever reported. So we could actually have over half a million people dead from these injections. Not to mention all mm-hmm. the people that are
2: yep, yep. Uh,
0: named and you know having all kinds of other issues. And it's yep. just uh, unbelievable that. You know, when they had the, I think it was the swine flu vaccine, it killed like 25 people, and they immediately yanked it, <laughs> and this thing is just going to town. Of course, that one was actually to help people. This one's actually to kill people, so it's doing a great mm-hmm. job based on what they're cool. really wanting to do with it, mm-hmm. and uh it's going to be interesting to see. You know, it'll, I think this may be the thing that really determines whether there's ever chance that uh, people in this country will stand up against anything. The way they're pushing for gun control and gun seizures and um, vaccinations, mandatory vaccine, those two things are probably the biggest hot buttons uh of the so-called Patriot Movement. If there's any line in the sand that will be drawn, it would have to be these. But... uh We'll see yeah. whether actually people stand up on their hind legs and do something, or if they just bend over and take it.
1: Well, guys, let me throw a proposition at you, and you guys comment if you don't mind. Go for it, sir. Uh, if I was running this psyop, and it was my, and I'm putting myself in the place of a uh, a satanic leadership. Mm -hmm. If I was going to do this, if I was directing this, I would have sent out the vaccines, and I would have only made 10% of them actual vaccines. The rest of them would have been a placebo. Right. Or maybe less, maybe Mm
2: -hmm.
1: 5%. Yeah, maybe even less, because, Mm -hmm. number one, you don't want the the first one, if everybody that takes it dies within a week or so, the jigs up.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you you in your first round you make sure that only a small percentage i'd say 10 or under and uh jim they're messing with that bears thing i have that on reliable information they're just mm-hmm. not even taking some reports or they're losing them
2: right but, well they're overwhelmed
1: hey, here's here's what you do is then you know, we've got this new delta variant that they're gonna throw at people.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And they're already saying that if you have if you've been vaccinated, you can still spread COVID.
0: Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Uh-huh. Exactly. If you, can it, you can spread it.
1: But here is the thing, I would do that and then also about thirty percent of the vaccines I would have been given out, maybe up to fifty percent, I would have made them step one in a binary.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so then when we come up with the new variants, because they know they can't get by with everybody dropping dead at once. No. No. So they're having to do this incrementally. And so then as they come at us with new variants, then they'll say, oh, well, you know, gosh, we've got a vaccine for the new variant now. So, so you come in, and that makes the that completes the binary Product on those who took the first one. Yep. But in all probability, they will die of cancer, or they'll die of something else because the they will put together the binary to take them out.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. an immune system. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah.
1: So what we are dealing with here, gentlemen, is mass genocide. Yep. Which is what happens with every socialist government.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yes. Agreed.
0: Bingo. And there's got to be a component in there where they try and take the guns, too.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, when uh, people like uh, Pelosi and Schumer and uh, uh even the Republicans, McConnell, and some of these others, when they drop dead from this COVID thing, I'll believe it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I thought happened, though. Supposedly, there's only one elected official that I'm aware of, and it was a guy who was newly elected, I think, in Alabama or somewhere down south, that uh, I think his wife ended up taking his position. But he died right after he got elected, never even took office. It was from the yeah. 2020, um, mm-hmm. and he's the only, and he he supposedly died from COVID, um, mm-hmm. but otherwise you don't see that stuff, and because uh, he wasn't initiated, you know, <laughs> and probably wasn't supposed to be elected anyway, but um, you know I I I pretty much covered that same thing on my morning show today talking about how um, I'm sure. You know, because this is a medical experiment, and you always have to have a control group. So a lot of these uh, injections that are given out are indeed, you know, saline solution or some other placebo for the same, you know, for that very reason, because if everybody dropped dead all at once, you'd have a problem. And just, you know, it's probably a small amount that's the real McCoy, and those are the ones that are killing and maiming everybody. And the others are just sort of sitting there looking around, like, hmm, I wonder what's going on. And uh, but then they're going to start calling for boosters and these other and for the variants and all this other stuff. And pretty soon the numbers are going to start adding up. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, I won't, well, I, think, uh, I won't let them test me. I will not want to inject me. Nothing. I think
1: by the year twenty twenty five, guys, we're going to see some. Uh, we're going to see an awful lot of people deceased.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If if the guys yeah. that yeah. try and quit the military, if they're actu- actually successful, then you can bet that the only ones left are going to be the ones that are going to be, you know, killing over dead from these things. And where does that put us? Definite uh, national security issues all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. I want my boat. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, uh, yeah you, you better get that boat,
0: you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you say it won't be ready until 2024. Can't you get a different model that's ready, like, now? Um, they have a couple of the original X5 models that um, they're going to be doing in 2022, 2023. But, you know, if it really gets to the point where it's looking that bad, I may go ahead and switch. <laughs> but... Mm. I really want this one because it's it's specifically designed for single-handed sailing, and it's it's got some things that are definitely worth the wait. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I may have to make an exception. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to see. So the other models would require two or three people, then? Well, you can still single-handle them, but it's um, just not as easy is the best way to put it. Um, there's some tech work that you may have to do and stuff because of the way they're designed, the, the mast and the, and the sails and that kind of thing, where the new one is all electronic. <laughs> you know, as long as the electronics work, you're good.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's only really thing. Awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. But they have manual overrides at least. I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. have to wait and see. It's getting, getting to the point where I may just say, hey, I'll take anything I can get. Yeah. So, who knows? Yeah. So I'll just have to wait and see. It is getting weird, though. And I'll tell you I what. What is
2: that? What
0: is that? And after I saw that guy driving his car yesterday, it's like, good grief. Beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's, it's getting right? pretty bad when you're envious of friends that, you know, have passed away. I thought, like, why can't it be me, Lord? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> did,
1: you, uh, did you guys see that video of the uh, center where they were uh, giving out vaccines? And they actually rolled somebody out who had collapsed after... Yeah, I covered that this morning, too. And there were people still uh, forming a line to go get the shot. It appeared to be either
0: Russia or Ukraine. And, uh, yeah, they were just standing there, and all of a sudden this dude comes out on a gurney, and his leg's twitching and flipping and stuff. And they just roll him off, and everybody's kind of looking, and they just stay in line. Yeah. It's like I posted It's on my uh, uh, Telegram page, too like, you, wow. you yep. Yeah.
1: If that doesn't define the insanity of boobus, I don't know what Yeah,
0: and, and it's not just here. It's all over the world. You know, if I was in line for something like that, and they'd feel somebody out there was twitching like that, i said, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I'll just wait a couple more years until we see how things go. Yeah. It's, but they just, you know, they were looking at them, and. The one person obviously doing the video, she didn't leave. <laughs> and the others, there were more people that came and got in line as they were watching this dude get wheeled out. And they just stayed in line. Yeah. Yeah. Good Lord, what is it with you people? It's like I don't it's think Truly, so. truly idiotic. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. is. Gotta be crazy to, to do that. Yeah. It's nuts. It's really crazy. But.
1: Okay, guys, I got a question for you.
0: Uh oh, he's loaded.
1: Okay, who is your favorite anti-federalist that other people probably never heard of?
0: Luther, wow. Martin. man, I'm really thinking Luther Martin, but yeah, yeah.
1: Because most people
0: have heard of Patrick Henry and George Mason and folks like that, but Luther yeah. Martin is probably most
1: people have heard of Patrick Henry.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Luther Martin's but up here, especially everybody thinks reads. it's Martin Luther. <laughs> give me liberty, give me death. And um, what was the uh, what was the guy's name? Was it Sherman, the guy that uh, wrote as um, uh, uh, Sentinel?
1: So, oh, that was
0: Samuel Bryant. Samuel, Samuel Bryant, Bryan, Yeah. Samuel Bryan. He would be another one. Mhm. Yeah. Either Bryant or Luca Martin. Those two.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I was thinking, guys, maybe you guys have heard of him or not. One guy, and I'm sorry, but uh, I believe this guy was Samuel Bryant as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, he wrote with just the greatest degree of sarcasm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm I'm kind of a uh, I'm a person who kind of likes that uh, <laughs> sarcasm from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, I was trying to see if I could find that actual. Um, uh, here it is. I don't know if you guys we throw a paragraph or two at you and let's see. Yeah, yeah, do it. All right. Uh, he wrote under the code name Montezuma, mm-hmm. and here's his first paragraph of sarcasm. Hmm. We, the aristocratic party of the United States, lamenting the many inconveniences to which the late Confederation subjected the well-born, the better kind of people, bringing them down to the level of the rabble, and holding in an utter detestation that fronts peace to every bill of rights that all men are born equal, beg leave for the purpose of drawing a line between such as we think we ordain to govern and others such as were made to bear the weight of government without having any share in its administration. To submit to our friends in the first class for their inspection, the following defense of our monarchical aristocratical democracy. That was the lead paragraph. How do you like that for sarcasm? That's
0: beautiful. Oh, I I do. I've heard that before.
1: Okay. Then he says, first, as a majority of all societies consists of men who, though totally incapable of thinking or acting in government matters, are more readily led than driven, we have thought meet to indulge them in something like a democracy in with our new Constitution, which part we have designated by the popular name of the House of Representatives. But to guard against every possible danger from this lower house, We have subjected every bill they bring forward to the double negative of our upper house and our executive. Nor have we allowed the populace the right to elect their representatives annually, lest this body should be too much under the influence and control of their constituents, and thereby prove the weatherboard of our grand edifice to show the shiftings of every fashionable gale. For we have not yet to learn that little else is wanting to aristocratize the most de- democratical rep- representative than to make him somewhat independent of his political creators. We have taken away that rotation of appointment which has so long perplexed us, that grand engine of popular influence. Every man is eligible into our government from time to time for life. This will have a two-fold good effect. First, it prevents the representatives from mixing with that more class and imbibing their foolish sentiments with which they should have come charged on re-election. <laughs> you this guy's good. All I'm right. telling you. And then he yeah. says, They will, from the perpetuity of office, be under our eye, and in a short time will think and act like us, independently of popular whims and prejudice or the assertion that evil communications corrupt good manners, is not more true than its reverse. We have allowed the house the power to impeach, but we have tenaciously reserved the right to try. We hope, gentlemen, you will see the policy of this clause, for what matters is who accuses, if the accused is tried by his friends. This plebeian house will have little powers, and that little be rightly shaped by our house of gentlemen who will have the very extensive influence from their being chosen out of the genteel class. It is sure every third senatorial seat is to be vacated to annually, but two-thirds of this influential body will remain in office and be ready to direct or, if necessary, bring over to the good old way the younger members if the old ones should not be returned. And whereas many of our brethren, from a laudable desire to support their rank and life above the commonality, have not only deranged their finances, but subjected their persons to indecent treatment as being arrested for debt, we have framed a privilege clause by which they may laugh at the fools who trusted them. But we have given out that this clause was provided only that the members might be able, without interruption, to deliberate on the important business of their country. What do you think, guys?
2: Just so. Duke
0: can write. Man. And
1: I, I believe that was Samuel Bryan. Uh, I could be hmm. wrong, but when I look back at who had the in other anti-federalist writings who had that ability to throw out some uh, sarcasm it was always sentinel
2: man,
0: man you too can have his complete work for nine hundred dollars on amazon <laughs>
1: <laughs> jim do you have them
0: uh, i wish <laughs> i was just uh... doing a little searching trying to see if i could get them but uh, man, that's that's pretty pricey, at least for now. Maybe later. <laughs>
1: well, Jim, I know this guy.
0: You know a guy. <laughs> I know
1: a guy, Jim, who knows a guy.
0: Hmm, whose great grandmother, his, great-grandmother. <laughs> his yeah. last, uh, twice removed cousin. Yeah. There's Go ahead. I know a guy who knows a guy.
1: I know a guy who knows a guy who uh, could send you, and I'll tell you what this guy did. This guy saw what they were getting for these essays, and it's just criminal. 900 mm-hmm. bucks. And so this guy saw that, and he sat down and just typed them all on his computer.
2: Oh, Wow. So,
1: we typed them all out. And uh let me see here. Uh he hasn't edited what he had what he typed out yet. Sometimes he made a few uh errors here and there. You uh-huh. know how guys will do sometimes.
0: Oh yeah. Been there.
1: And uh so uh, Jim, what's your email address, buddy?
2: Uh let's
0: see. Let me give you the easiest one. I'll just put it in the chat thing here.
1: Okay. Put it in the chat thing so I'll have it.
0: There it goes. I think that's right. It's so small I can hardly see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Should be there.
1: Okay. Hold on one second. Let me see that. Uh okay,
0: that's easy. Yep, that's the easiest one.
1: Okay.
0: I've got longer ones, but you know that one works. It does now. The thing was down for like two weeks. Um uh, uh, the, the server went haywire. And uh they've been having that problem. I had a friend of mine that had the same suffix in his his email went down several months ago for a couple of weeks, and my wife's went down about a month ago. They're all in different servers, but they're all having the same issues. Mine went down, and when I finally got it back up, I had thousands of messages that I had to get, go through and get rid of and that kind of thing. It was a big pain.
1: That's uh, always uh, a pain, isn't it?
0: Yep. But I've it's had it forever.
1: Would you be upset if you got all of Sentinel's essays that might have a little typo here and there? Um,
0: I, I, I'm i sure I could probably figure out what was good and what wasn't.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Would not bother okay. me a bit.
1: Well, you'll check your email. You now have them, my friend.
0: Ooh, bless you. And bless your friends who typed it all
2: out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'll tell him. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure from from uh, your lips to his ears. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mr. Yeah. Hudson, do you have them, sir? I do not. Okay. Hmm. Let me see if I can't uh, remedy that situation.
0: Thanks, I appreciate that. So we, we must be talking, what, hundreds of pages?
1: Um, no, I think there's 124 pages. Maybe, oh, no, 224 pages, I think.
0: That's a, that's a little stiff, and
1: certainly the time. Man,
0: guys, nice. for doing that, though. Wow. Gee, they're very pretty.
2: Whew. look at that!
0: Yells it, Whoever typed these did a very nice job. Man. Thank
1: you. I'll let him you know. <laughs> you,
0: you, you 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 do that to the people of Pennsylvania. Man is the glory just. And riddle of the world.
1: Poop. Robert, if you'll check your email, I think you will have them as well, my friend. Oh, he's out the email? Okay.
0: Wow. Whew. 24. I thought he had like 35. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There it is right there.
2: Big as days. He just well, said 24?
1: Jim, I'll tell you what. These are the 24. Now, if you go on the Internet, you will find one through about 16, maybe. Mm-hmm. Now, 18, uh, sixteen and seventeen three where he goes into the financial morass, and he starts accusing people of colossal hmm. fraud. Well, hmm. those, those aren't available anymore.
2: Hmm.
1: So, but, I am on a search. He wrote 36 essays on the Bill of Rights, which you just cannot find anywhere.
0: Okay, I didn't know what I was I'm sure that's true.
1: But I'm not giving up. Hmm. Now, Jim, if you know anyone else who would like these, uh, considering that they're nine hundred dollars on uh, Amazon, if anyone uh, would be, uh, if anyone would like them and they would like to make a contribution to the typist, he would accept
0: it. Mm-hmm. Oh man! I'll make sure they know that.
1: So, if anybody wants them, we can get them to them. Uh, like I said, they've got some typos. And I just haven't had time to square all those typos away yet.
0: Oh, so you're the editor for this guy?
1: <laughs> Pardon me? You're the
0: editor for this guy? <laughs>
1: uh, well, yeah, somebody's got to watch after him. He's mm-hmm. <laughs> in all kind of trouble.
0: Yeah, I oh. can imagine. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> did you uh, get him,
0: Robert? I did, yeah, thanks very much. Got thank it. you, thank you, thank you. And put mm-hmm. these in a very safe location,
1: mm-hmm.
0: somewhere. You know, but for now, right there,
2: man.
1: That uh, I think should make you some uh, very interesting reading, Joe.
2: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's another
0: thing that uh, I would do while I'm on my boat. <laughs> hmm. Oh my goodness. Yep, putting them the iBooks. It'll be on my phone before the day is out.
1: Uh, Robert, did I send you the uh, book by Manning Johnson?
0: Uh, You might have. Hang on just a second. Let me get to
2: where I can get to.
1: Jim, are you familiar with Manning Johnson?
2: No, No, I'm not.
1: Okay, well... Manning Johnson was a brilliant young black man back in the 30s. And the Communist Party really wanted to infiltrate the black community in this country and to turn them against the whites. Now, this is 80 years ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, Manning Johnson became one of those men, and they actually even took him to Russia. Hmm. And Manny Johnson wrote a book about how the communists were using the blacks, using the black churches, and everything to create a huge split in America between the races. And he published this book in the 50s, I believe, and very shortly thereafter, he met a very suspicious death.
2: (laughs) Imagine that.
1: But Manning Johnson, and thanks to D.W., D.W. found where, and he passed it along to me, and I sure appreciate it. He found where that uh, Manning Johnson actually appeared before the House Committee on Un-American Activities in the 30s. Hmm. That that testimony is riveting. Of course, the Congress did absolutely freaking nothing. Of
2: course. And that's not surprising. No,
0: I don't think I have it. Shoot it to me if you would.
1: Oh, it's another book, my friend. So it's not short. Okay. <laughs> Let me see if I can find
0: it. <laughs> hey,
1: am you gentlemen have uh, the book Unintended Consequences?
0: Oh, yeah. I, I do no. have the several copies case. as a matter of fact. What's that one about? Oh, that's the, the Federal Reserve. The hmm.
1: one on Unintended Consequences about oh right Oh, I'm thinking, I'm sorry.
0: Fantastic I'm th- you're, 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 um, um, uh by uh, Ross, John Ross. Yeah, I've got yeah, several copies. I used to sell that at gun shows. I was thinking the creature from Chattwell Island. <laughs> uh,
1: he's a uh Ohio boy, isn't
0: he? Actually, um,
1: Missouri. Missouri uh, yeah,
0: I was thinking he was from Missouri. I bumped into it in the NRA convention a couple of years but well, it's been a number of years ago. Um saw oh. him he was walking down the uh that, you know, the hallway had this big duster coat on and the back of this coat was um the cover. Of that book, and uh, man, I'll tell you what, neat dude, John Ross, and that is one phenomenal book, 862 pages, and it is a fantastic read.
1: Then I assume you have a copy, Jim.
0: Yeah, I've got uh, several. As a matter of fact, I've got a couple that are still in the in the cellophane.
1: You know, those things are zipping up in price
0: now. Yep. Last time I checked a couple of years ago, they were about 250 bucks, or probably more than that now. <laughs> mm. I used to sell uh, no, for $28 a Robert, piece.
1: Robert, would you like one in uh, PDF form? Yeah, shoot it,
0: I wouldn't mind having that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the PDF is cool, just because it'll fit on my phone or my iPad. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tim? Would you be interested in that book by Manning Johnson,
0: Jim? Yeah, sure. I add all these things to my uh, trusty list.
1: And I'm taking care of all kinds of stuff today. Yes, yeah. I, so I don't have time it. to read
0: now, but uh, I'm slow. I'm, most of the stuff I'm reading, I'm a, I'm a slow reader. But, you know, my boat's slow, too, so I'll have plenty of time when I'm on the water.
1: <laughs> you will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You will. Well, uh,. Folks, if uh, you want to keep up with this crazy guy on my telegram channels, I certainly would appreciate it. Hope you don't mind young telling you to tune in to uh Rebel Madman or Constitutional Fraud on telegram.
2: Shameless plug. Hey.
1: Shameless. Absolutely. We're happy
0: to have shameless plugs here. The um Rebel Madman is a fantastic site and especially there on the on the uh telegram channel there is so much stuff that comes across there Uh, well worth getting involved with and uh, tell them about your radio shows too Mike
1: Uh, well I've got one tomorrow with uh, Cal Robbins that will be on from noon until 2 Eastern and that one is titled Dare to Think Out Loud then I have one on Sunday evening from 6 to 8 (laughs) p.m. called addicted to your own destruction both of those are on revolution radio
0: yeah and they are great and i highly recommend them if you can hear them live but if not make sure you get the replays and uh you won't be disappointed fantastic stuff all righty where are we time we got a few minutes left man what haven't we covered today Robert, is that your, you got something that's going on in the background there?
1: Oh, uh, sorry,
0: sorry. <laughs> Some kind of conversation. Um, what haven't we covered? My goodness. We've pretty much solved all the problems of the world. But, um,
2: hmm.
0: I'm at a loss. Man, we've covered everything. <laughs>
1: I doubt we've covered everything no. with the uh, with the uh, with the limits of uh, my uh, mental capability. I think we've done very well.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been quite the show. I'll tell you what, I've I've been very very pleased with the amount of information that's been brought out today, and I think it was a great topic. Um, if I do say so myself, comparing the uh, the Declaration of Independence with the Constitution and those that wrote them, and uh, yeah. What a sad thing to have started out with such some, something that had such potential and to have ended up with something that has just pulled the wool over the eyes of millions of people over the years, especially those who have sworn an oath to protect, defend, and all that good stuff, myself being included in that bunch. And uh, it's just, like I said, it's a shame that, people are not more educated and and again it goes back to the public school system and everything else that we've dealt with over the years um my goodness it's just a shame Ugh. but it is what it is and we just have to go from here and go forward and
1: uh well all we can do jim is to do the great job that you do uh we can just keep putting the message out there. Uh, you know, you, that's, uh, you know, it's what I read uh, before from, uh, uh, that's, uh, you know, where uh, Isaiah, uh, the best thing you can do.
2: Yep,
0: exactly. Ooh. Just then uh, keep doing it. Yeah, and, because
1: we never know who that idle person may be who just happens to hear us. Exactly. And uh, we may pique the interest. And as uh, it says with Isaiah, we might, we may not ever know. Yeah. You know who heard it and how it affected them or what have you. Definitely. But uh, at least uh, our job is to not to know who they are. And the other thing I loved about uh, when uh, uh, Isaiah finally said, and this is paraphrased, of course, Isaiah said, "Well, Lord, how will I know if I'm doing a good job?" And he said, "Well, if you make a lot of money and a lot of people show up, you're doing it wrong."
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Amen. That's for sure. Good heavens. Oh, my. Well, let's see here. Still got a couple minutes left. Um, yeah, Mike, if you would, send me a copy of that uh, Unintended Consequences, too. Um, okay. I got the uh, the other one, but uh, I would love to have, yeah, that would be a good one to have in PDF form. I've got a buddy who's been wanting to get a copy. Of the book, and I'm just trying to decide whether you know, it's a good enough friend or not to give him one of mine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 your yardstick, huh, Jim?
0: Oh man, I'll tell you what. Well, maybe the one that's not still in, in the cellophane, <laughs> or I could just lend a mind to read it. Um, I'll tell you what. It's hard, you know you got to be careful you got to keep track of them because if you lend it out you may never get it back and mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely yeah, that's an good. issue. But I didn't know anybody made a PDF of, uh, of that one. That's a, that's a good one to have on hand.
2: But uh,
1: well, I feel good. I sent uh, I sent uh, between uh, you two guys. I sent you eighteen hundred dollars worth of books today. Whew.
0: And trust me, it's appreciated. And yeah, one of these you days. We'll uh pleasure. yep, Yeah. Oh my. Let's see here. Since we know by our opinion, just, my phone is beeping at me. There my watch is. I hear the I Yeah, hear the, the ding ding. that's my that's my my watch going off to let me know that there's a minute left. And uh-huh. it's a good time good thing I use it because many times I forget. And we are pretty much out of time. So, as usual, gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure having you both with us. The only thing that could have made it better if D.W. had called in, but he must be tied up maybe next week. But uh, thanks so much for being here. And uh, you guys have a wonderful weekend. Uh, Everybody else, take care of your bodies because the only place you have to live will be live again on Monday. So, until then, take care and God bless.
1: Take care. Yes. Later.
0: Thanks, guys.